0: Let me say happy Mother's Day to every mother that is here. Um, There is nothing uh, more precious than a mother. Especially a godly mother who is leading their family and their kids to love God and to worship him and to live for him. I am so thankful that God has created mothers and created the fact that mothers can be christian and can be godly and can lead others you know margie and i have always said we want our kids to be more godly than we are and our grandkids to be more godly than our kids are that's what the bible teaches and we need to be setting that example And we need to be that godly individual before our kids and our grandkids. Um, If you look at us today and we look sleepy, it's because we had grandkids (laughs) (laughs) over last night. And, you know, they, they, they came over and they wanted to play some board games or phase 10 and... You know, I still had some things to finish with this sermon, and Margie is cooking for uh, all of our family today. And, uh, you know, we said, hmm, why they want to come. And spend time with us. We need you to take advantage. And not only last night, we've had some more grandkids that were over earlier in the week, and they spent the night with us. And, uh, you know, when you're young, you can handle all that. (laughs) 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 But... I'm so thankful that they love spending time with us and they come over and they do things with us and help us. Um, We were out working in our garden the other day and two of them rode their bikes over and they said, can we help y'all? Do y'all need help? You know, that's precious. That's what we're going to be looking at today. A woman who understood about investing, investing in the lives of her family. Even though her family was not everything it needed to be, and even though there was problems in the family, she invested in that family because of her relationship with God, because she knew him, and she allowed him to fill her life. Now, I I was thinking, when we sang the song, God, You Are So Good, and You Have Always Been Faithful, you know, that is one of my favorite songs, because I can remember, I was telling this lady back here earlier, um, before we started the service, you know, I grew up a very poor person in the country, uh, and... I had no idea God was going to use me and then use me and Margie in the way that he has. I can remember being out in the yard, and you remember how you used to, well, you can still do that, but how you, especially as a child, could look up and you could see where a plane had been flying. You can see the smoke or gas or whatever it is. And I remember thinking, you know, I'd love to do that one day. Never did I have in my mind that God would use me around the world, preaching and doing ministry and building churches. And I had no clue all over this country that God would carry me. And it's just been an amazing journey. And if God does nothing else in my life, I mean, he has fulfilled my life. He has been faithful. And then with our kids who are now in ministry, and our grandkids who, um, the ones that are old enough, have accepted Christ and, 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 and really are living that Christian life. And I, I, I mean, God cannot bless me. He cannot be more faithful to me than he has been. And so I want you to understand that God is wanting to be faithful to each and every one of us. He wants to be faithful to each and every one of our families. But we've got to be receptive to that. We've got to yield ourselves to him and give ourselves to him the same way that Hannah did. If you'll look with me in 1 Samuel in chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. You remember, I remember when I was in seminary and I took Greek and Hebrew, oh, I was depressed for months and months and months. You know, <laughs> I meant that was, that was, for a country boy, that's difficult. <laughs> no, but as I look at these words, you know, I remember studying this and I remember having to pronounce them. So, anyway, here we go. Uh, now, there was a certain man from on um, Ramatham Zoratham, and from the hill country of Ephraim and his name was Elkanah, Elkanah and his son he is the son of Jerahim and the son of Elihu and the son of Tohu and the son of uh, Zoph and Ephronite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panana. And Panana had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man would go, to, uh, go up from to the city yearly, To worship and uh, sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni Hophni, and Phineas, would uh, were the priest of that of the Lord there, and when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed. He would give portions to Peninnah and to um, all of her kids, and our sons, and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, and as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would be provoked, she would weep, and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose, after eating and drinking and shallow. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now notice verse eleven. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and Remember me and not forget me, your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. So a razor shall never come on his head. Can you imagine what she is saying to God here? Can you imagine what she is committing herself to? And if God gives her a son, committing her son to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you, we are so thankful that you are faithful to us. That you love us more than we can ever imagine. And that you have an awesome plan for our lives. We are thankful for mothers and for godly mothers We are thankful for those that love us when we are struggling and when we are indifferent and when we are not the person that we need to be. We act in bad ways, but yet and still you love us. You never, ever forget us, and our moms are always there. Our moms are there to help us through the difficult times and help us to understand that there is a right and there is a wrong. There's a way to act, and there's not a way to act. There's things you need to say, and there's things you don't need to say. God, we are thankful for those people who give us guidance and love and acceptance and mold us into what you would have us to be. Father, we are thankful that you work through them to touch our lives and that you are always faithful. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. There's been a lot of stuff going on in the the news the last couple of days. And, And as you look at all of this crazy stuff that's going on about what the Supreme Court may do or may not do with abortion, and, you know, they have not said it can't happen. They're giving it back to the states if that's what that it ends up being. But everybody, not everybody, but a lot of the people in this country have gone crazy over that. And they feel like they have the right. And, and I, I don't understand this, when they say, that you, um, you have no right to tell me what to do with my body. But you remember just a couple of months back, we had no right about our bodies. We had to take injections whether we wanted them or not. We would lose our job in some cases if we didn't. You know, isn't that a double standard? But we live in a world that wants to do what it wants to do no matter what. It wants to do what it wants to do no matter what the consequences are. And I told Margie, I've been really convicted about this, but I really believe, and and understand what I'm saying, I really believe that the church is the biggest culprit in this because we have sat back and been silent and said nothing and did nothing to help stop the murder of 67 million babies in the mother's womb. We've sat back and been solid and not said anything about the fact that God's word says that's murder. Now, I do understand that there are times when you need to get an abortion because of the life of the mother or whatever. I understand all that. And I understand also that God gives forgiveness. If we have, have yielded to that temptation and yielded to that sin, God, God can forgive us and God can restore us. And I understand that, but I also understand that there are millions of women all over this country that are suffering because of the decision that somebody made them do or that they decided to do, and now they are having to deal with that. And folks, the church needs to love them and encourage them and help them to understand what that really is all about. And we haven't been faithful in that. You see, there has been a lot of talk also about the stock market. And and it's been going up, and then now the last couple of days, it's gone down. There's trillions of dollars that are invested in the stock market, more than we can ever, ever begin to comprehend. And, And the people who place their money in that stock market are in hopes of their portfolio growing And sometimes it does, and sometimes it don't. And sometimes you end up gaining money, and sometimes you end up losing money. Now, I I don't have very much money invested in the stock market. I do have some money in my retirement fund that's invested in the stock market. But I'm telling you, I invest in things that are more heavenly-minded. There's nothing wrong with investing in the stock market. I've invested in the stock market. But the thing that I really need to be concerned about is investing in things that are eternal. Things that God would have me to do, things that God would have me to be. You see, every action, every attitude, every activity is an investment in something. And it will reap the dividends either for the glory of God and for the good or for not the glory of God. And for the glory of the flesh. You see, everything we do has a return whether we want to understand that or not. So those who would make a wise investment of their lives need to constantly make sure they're making a wise investment. A godly investment. And that's what Hannah was doing here. And I thank God for godly mothers and for people that love their children and and raise their children to love God and to be godly individuals that raise kids that love God. You see, the, the passage presents to us a woman by the name of Hannah. She is presented as a woman who was a shrewd investor, not in the stock market, but in her family and in her faith. She was a a shrewd investor in her family and her faith. And so we see that that paid dividends in her life. And we'll see that in a little bit. You see, through one woman and her grief and her faith and her investing in her family and in her faith, through her son Samuel, she was instrumental in making a change in the nation of Israel. She was helping bring about the divinic kingdom and she brought about a lineage of Jesus Christ to be able to be born in in our world and to be the savior of the world. She was part of that whole setup that God was using because of her faith in her family, and because of her faith in God. I want to point the area out where she made a wise investment, and I want to encourage you to make that wise investment as well. Hannah made an investment that was going to bring glory to God and going to further the kingdom of God upon this earth. And we need to understand that as well, that we need to be investing in things that are bringing glory to God, but also in investing in things that will help people come to know Christ and live for him and serve him. You see, she made a wise investment in her faith. Hannah invested her life in her family, despite the fact that the circumstances in her family were not the best circumstances whatsoever. You see, you see that she persevered to make things better in her family. Not just to go along to get along or or not just to stay mad and depressed all the time, but she invested so that her family could get better, so her family could, could be meaningful. Her family could, in turn, serve God. You see, this reminds me of my mom. My mom was not a Christian all of her life. It was after my brother, who was the only Christian at 18, was killed in a car accident. And through that experience, she came to know Christ, which I was a very small kid at that time. But she led me to want to know Christ and to live for him and to serve him as well. You see, she invested And her family, even when it was not good, my father was an alcoholic and very bad alcoholic. And then there was nobody else in the family except my one brother that was a Christian. And now I can say because of my mom's faithfulness and because of her investing in that family, that was crazy. Now we see that my dad accepted Christ before he died on his deathbed. And, uh, and then um, my, all my sisters, except one, she says she is, but I, I really don't know that she is. But, but my sisters have accepted Christ, and my brothers have accepted Christ. I don't know about one of them. He died a couple of years ago. Um, but I don't know that he was a Christian. But he said he was. But anyway, she saw people come to know Christ because she kept loving. She kept being faithful. She kept doing what she needed to do to minister to that family, even when it was not good circumstances. And that's what we have to do sometimes. You see, she invested in spite of the difficulties. And how often do we do that? How often do we invest in spite of the difficulties? You see, right off the bat, we learned that Hannah was married to a man that had two wives. Now, that was common during that period of time. Now, God never said that it was okay. God never agreed that that should happen. But yet and still, during that period of time, in that culture, that was common. You see... As we look at that, God never said the family would be an easy place to live. I don't know about you, but if you've got a perfect family, you're one of a kind. I mean, you've got family members that are difficult to deal with. Can I have, a, have an amen? amen. <laughs> I mean, we've we, I mean, we got family members that are really a struggle to be nice to. You know, but God expects us to be godly in the midst of that situation and and minister to our family. You see, every one of us have families that need to know God. And if we don't live before them and live that example and teach them, I'm telling you, they won't come to know him. Now, we need to learn to make an investment in our family regardless of who they are and what they're doing and what they're saying. It, it has gotten too easy for us to bail out, has it not? It's got too easy for us just to say, "I'm through with, I'm through with this, I'm out of here." You know that is not what God said. Now, in some cases, I agree, and the Bible does give us cases for divorcement, and and so I, I, I'm not saying. It's always that you stay with your family no matter what. But what I am saying is that people leave for a lot of reasons that are not right. And so we need to make sure that we are investing in our families. And I thank God for mothers like my mom and probably your mom that, that stayed in there and did everything they could and tried to be the best uh, role model that they possibly could for God. You see, in the stock market, what do you do? What do, what do you hear people, when, when things start going downhill, people want to sell their stock, but what do you, you don't need to sell your stock, what do you need to do? Hold on for the long, long run. Keep on keeping on. I, I've heard people, I, I've wanted to sell some of my stock, and, and the uh, Southern Baptist Convention has... What they call Godstone, which handles all of our socks, and I've called them, and they're like, "Bobby, just hold on, it's coming back, you know. Don't, don't be stupid, you know." And, and and so sometimes we need to hold on for the long haul. You see, Hannah's husband, her other, his other wife, what did she do to Hannah? She made fun of her. She uh, ridiculed her. She talked about the fact that she was not able to give Elkanah a child and made Hannah feel horrible, but Hannah still kept ministering. No matter what Panana did to her, she kept ministering. You see, verse 5 tells us that Elkanah loved Hannah. He gave a double portion to her. Even though she couldn't give him children, he loved her with all of his heart. Apparently, she was his favorite, and it showed. And Panana, however, could give Elkanah something that Hannah could not give him, yet she continued to invest no matter what. Hannah kept investing in that family. No matter what the situation was like, she kept giving. She kept loving. She kept working to make that family better. What a testimony that is of somebody that would hang in there even when it's tough. You see, sometimes people get discouraged at the fellow family members who are saying things they shouldn't say, doing things they shouldn't do. They're discouraging. They are are making wrong decisions. You continue to invest in them no matter what. If you don't invest in them, who is? Who's going to love them? Who's going to give them guidance? You see, you may never see the results that you want to see, but there's a biblical principle here that you need to understand. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. In Galatians in chapter 6, in Galatians in chapter 6, Starting in verse 6. No, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also what? Reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will From his flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life. Now notice verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. In due time, what does that mean? In God's time, not yours. God is in control, not you. And so keep doing what God has told you to do and let God do something major and exciting in your life and in your family's life. You see, this reminds me of my mom when she first became a Christian And none of my brothers and sisters and my dad was not Christians. And she would pray for them every day. Constantly she prayed for them. And she lived that Christian life in front of them. And she loved them even though they were doing things that she did not agree with whatsoever. But she loved them anyway. To the point that they all or most of them came to know Christ. And started living for him. And started being faithful to him. Keep investing in people's lives and leave the harvest in God's hands, not your hands. Leave it in God's hands and let God do what only God can do. You see, she was in desperation. We see that in verses 5 and 6. Both of these verses tell us that Hannah was barren because that was God's choice for her at that particular time. She was in a situation that was of the Lord's doing, and she could do nothing about changing that. Only God could. And and so she was resting in God and trusting in him and praying to him. What Hannah did not know was that God had plans for her, plans for her that were good, that she couldn't see yet. God can see, you know, from this point, all the way that way to the future and all the way that way into the past. God knows all things. We can only see where we are right now. He didn't, she didn't know that he had plans for her and that he was going to do a work in her life that was going to change everything and change the nation of Israel. You see, the plans of God that he has for us are good plans in Jeremiah 29:11. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a what? Hope. Anytime you're dealing with God, you got hope. And Hannah knew that. In Romans 8 28, it says, All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things. Even Hannah, with her being barren, was working together because she is so committed to having a child because she wants to experience that. She's trusting in God for that. It hadn't happened yet, but she's believing for God to that, for that to happen. And yet and still, she had to keep trusting and keep believing no matter what. You see, it, it may look like your, your spouse or, or your children are not turning out the way you planned. Or the way you prayed for them or, or a hope that they would be. It, it, it may be the case that you are encouraged. But let me encourage you to keep on keeping on. Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing. That's exactly what Hannah did. You see, the closing bell is not rung yet like it does at the stock market. You see, your, your family is too important for you to stop investing in. Keep believing that God's got a plan and a purpose and he's going to do great things. But also we see that Hannah made a wise investment in her faith. Not only did she have an investment in her family, But she had an investment in her faith. You see, it it appears that family was important to Hannah, but more important than her family was her faith in God, trusting him, believing in him. She made a a, a, a wise investment in her faith in God, allowing him to do whatever he knew was right. You see, her faith was personal. I, I see a woman who knows the Lord on a personal level. She, she walked with him. She prayed with him. She taught with him. She praised him. She had a personal relationship with God that caused her to allow God to do what he needed to do in, his li- in her life so that he could bring about his plan and his purpose for the nation of Israel. Do you know that the greatest gift that anybody can give their family is for you to let them know that you know Christ and that you're living for him? That's the greatest gift you can give to your family. Not just a casual brushing against a godly thing, but that you're living it day in and day out, even in the difficult times. You see, her faith was a, one of practical means as well, nothing that her prayer and her dialogue with Eli could change, only God could. She was a woman who possessed a practical faith in God, trusting him. Eli couldn't change the situation, she couldn't change the situation, her prayer life couldn't change the situation, not unless she continued to keep praying and keep trusting and allowing God to do what he wanted to do in her life. She trusted him for the impossible in her life. She didn't just talk about faith in God, but she fleshed it out on a daily basis. She lived it on a daily basis. Her faith was profound. It was something that she lived by, something that everybody saw in her day in and day out. You see, more than anything in the world, Hannah wanted a child. She wanted to give that gift to her husband, but yet and still, she was barren. She knew this was an impossible thing on her part. Only God could make that change. And so she kept trusting. She kept believing. She kept praying. And she asked God for a son And she promised to give that son back to the Lord. Can you imagine that? Look at the return God got for that investment. Can you imagine what that must have been like? You see, that's a kind of faith that God is looking for, that we give him everything that we are and everything that our family is. We give him our children. Whatever his will is for them, we give that to him. We lay our our husband or our wife and our children on the altar of God and say, God, you do with them whatever your will is. Can you remember Abraham? And Abraham knew that God had promised that his heritage was coming through who? His son, Isaac. But what did God tell Isaac to do? I mean, Abraham to do with Isaac? To carry him up on the mountain and to sacrifice him to him. Did Abraham really think twice about it? No, because it says he got up early the next day and he went to the mountain. And when he left with his son Isaac to go up on top of the mountain, he left a servant there and he said, Who's going to return? We. We will return. He, had, he knew that God had promised him that. He trusted God. He gave God Isaac, knowing that even if he didn't bring Isaac back to life, somehow his heritage is going to come through Isaac. He knew that because God had promised that. When are we going to give God our families and say, God, I trust you? Completely, with whatever. You see, also Hannah made a wise investment in the future as well. You see, Hannah made an ultimate commitment that a mother can make. She prayed and said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And for the rest of his life, he's yours. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine saying, God, this this child is yours, and I give him to you? And really, in all reality, our children don't belong to us. They just belong to us. They belong to God. And he has entrusted those kids in our lives so that we can pour into them so that they can be more godly and more like him and serve him. You see, imagine how that must have been for Samuel to be left there at the tabernacle and for Hannah to have to leave him there. You see, when he was born, she dedicated him to God, and when he was queen, she gave him to God. She carried him to the tabernacle, and there she left him. But can you imagine what it must have been like for her anticipating those yearly visits, to, the fact that she could see Samuel? And can you imagine what heartbreak it was every time they went that she had to leave him and and go and wait another year to come back and see him? Can you imagine what that must have been like for that mother? But yet and still, she was faithful to God and faithful and trusting him and believing in him. You see, she was seeing her investment pay off as she looked and saw Samuel growing into a godly man A man that is going to turn Israel around. A man that's really going to help Israel be what God wants it to be. The spiritual leader of Israel that is helping change the way Israel was living and the way they were trusting not in God but in themselves. You see, this is the kind of commitment that God is seeking for his people today. He wants us to invest the totality of our lives and of our families on his altar. Trusting him, believing him. You see, that kind of commitment, God is seeking from his people. But his people so often don't understand that. His people don't get it. They don't understand that those kids really are not their kids. They're God's. And so we have the responsibility of raising them to understand and know God and love God. He wants us to give all we have and all that we are to Him without holding anything back from Him. He wants us to be a one-time commitment for a lifetime. He wants us to commit ourselves to him totally. And I told Margie, we were sitting at the table the other day, and I've shared with you that if God never heals my leg, then I'm okay with that, I think. You know? (laughs) You know, because I struggle with that. I'm human, I promise you. I'm just being really honest. And I really think that God is putting me through a test because it's not... I had to go back to the doctor this, this Thursday. And... You know, God is saying, do you really mean that? Whatever I do, do you really mean that? That you're going to trust me? And you're still going to serve me? You know, let's be honest. Is that difficult? Yeah, it is. Because we want what we want. But God may want something different. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. You see... Maybe we need to understand that God has a plan and purpose, and it's better than ours. And so let's let's get on his plan and not on our plan. We need some moms and dads today who will be broken over their children and bring them to God's altar and give them to God. We need godly men and women to come and and be broken and give themselves to God. And say, help me to be the best dad, godly dad that I can be. Help me to be the best godly um, mom that I can be. Help me to raise those kids in a way that is pleasing to you. Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. And by the grace of God became the, Samuel became the mighty man of God that helped turn Israel around spiritually because they were going in the wrong direction. Folks, we need to understand that we must trust God as Hannah did, believing and trusting in Him for the best. You know what? Today is Mother's Day, and I am so thankful for our moms our godly moms, our godly dads. I'm thankful for them. Father's Day is coming up next month. But you know what? We cannot be what God intends for us to be and totally pleasing to God until we give ourselves totally to him, until we give our kids totally to him. And so, folks, what I'm going to ask you to do today, AJ, you can come on to the front. What I'm asking you today, I, I, I asked somebody the other day in a meeting, I said, are, are, are the people in this church used to making any kind of movement? <laughs> you know, I mean, y'all look at me like, mm, he's crazy. <laughs> but what I'm asking you to do today, if God, don't do it because I asked you to, but if God is dealing with you, and I ask you to come to this altar and give yourself and your family to God and say, God, whatever, help me to be a godly woman and mother. Help me to be a godly dad and father. Help me to be what you've called me to be. And, God, I give you my kids. Margie and I did that a long time ago. And we said, God, whatever you want to do with them, No matter what it is, it'll be hard, but we give them to you and we trust you with them. Have you ever done that? I'm asking you today, if God is dealing with your heart, for you to come to this front and just say, God, here I am. I give you everything. I give you myself and I give you my family and I give you my kids.